Jesus, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is no God like my God. Can anyone testify to that? Anyone in this house delivered from sickness and disease? Anyone in this house that was going through trials and tribulations, been going through suffering, when there was no hope, yet God was there? Nobody like my God. No one can heal like him. No one can call like him. No one can give hope like him. No one can restore and deliver with magnificent power like my God. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was a failure. Now I'm victorious. Hallelujah. He is a healer. He is a healer. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm excited for what God is going to do in this place. As you make your way back to your seats, can we give our youth choir a big hand clap for being mightily used by God? If my memory serves me correctly, I think the last time we heard the Storm Youth Choir was Youth Week 2020. They sounded pretty good for being over a year and a half. The great thing is, is they sounded more than just being good. Yes, they practice, but they have anointing. They have talent, but they have anointing. And I, it's so neat to be able to see these, these little mini melodies opening up the service and then our youth choir being able to somewhat push us towards the conclusion of the service. And God is just so good. I love my church family. Sister Leah Brickle did so good leading. You know, Brother McClintock, I'm getting old because when I was an Urshan College student, she was in her mommy's belly. Getting old. Getting old. Praise God. But I'm glad what God is doing. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, we're going to look at chapter 3, one of the most important uh, chapters in the Old Testament where we kind of see uh, how the fall of man takes place. We're going to look at the first eight chapters. And I will make mention that our Move the Mission campaign is concluding. So today is our Move the Mission Offering Sunday, previously known as She's for Christ. Uh, we have uh, several uh, funds already turned in. We're looking at almost $50,000 being pushed towards uh, missions and youth ministries across the globe. Thank you, Sanctuary family, for always sacrificing and being willing and able to give. And, um, and so if you can turn in that offering today, that would be great. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of that. I can't do that. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the days ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
Verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The final verse of this segment of this text says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And my title of my message this morning is Living in a Distorted Reality. Living in a Distorted Reality. King Jesus, you're a healing God, a righteous God, a holy God. What a privilege it is to step behind this sacred desk in front of the greatest people on the planet. Lord, I'm thankful for my sanctuary family. I'm thankful, Lord, for, for the many guests in this place that have come into this church building for the very first time. Lord, I believe you have a word for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray for the next few moments, let every word that come out of my mouth be directly from you and only you, not by my flesh, but by your spirit. Let us have revival in this house. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Now, have you ever been convinced that something is a particular way only to discover that you remembered it all wrong? Anyone have some fuzzy memories of the past? This is what's called a memory distortion. This occurs when the retrieval of memories is incorrect and information is remembered in a different way than what actually occurred. From misquoting famous movie lines to recalling entire events that never occurred, the human memory is indeed far from perfect. This is most likely due to our individual differences, our experiences and, and differing perceptions influencing how we reconstruct previous events or certain items or situations we once thought were. Take it, uh, for instance, the greatest peanut butter on the planet, Jiffy. Who likes Jiffy butter, peanut butter? It's fantastic. There's a problem. It's not called Jiffy. It's called Jiff. There's no such thing as Jiffy peanut butter. What? Nowhere can it be found. Or take a look at this. How about Curious George? Any fans of Curious George? I love Curious George. I still read Curious George, and I'm thankful that I have younger kids so I have an excuse to read it out loud without looking weird. I love George. And I look at this picture of Curious George, and there's nothing wrong with him. He's from the memory of my childhood. But next slide. Curious George never had a tail. Never. He never had a tail. And then, of course, there's my, my favorite snack of all time. You got to do the... Cheez-Its! I love my Cheez-Its. I say, wifey, where's the Cheez-Its? There's a problem. It's not called Cheez-Its. It's called Cheez-It. <laughs> and then if there's any Disney princesses in the house, there's Snow White, the famous line, mirror, mirror on the wall. That was never said. It's magic mirror on the wall. They never said mirror, mirror on the wall. But I heard throughout, I always, mirror, mirror on the wall, it's a joke. It was never said. And then even worse, the most famous line in all of the world, 
Luke, I am your father. He never says Luke. All he says is, I am your father. I didn't believe it. I looked it up. I YouTubed it. Most powerful statement of all, Luke, I am your, raise your hand if you ever said that. Come on, Luke, I am your, he never says Luke, Brother Sullivan. I know Brother Sullivan is staring at me like, how is this even possible? What in the world? He's questioning his past, his upbringing, his development. What is going on here? And many of you might be familiar with the actor or comedian Sinbad. Do you, now let me ask you this, is there anyone in this place that would be considered a 90s child? In the second, third, fourth grade, 92, 93, 94, any, any 90s kids in the house? We have a couple 90s kids in the house. Now, do you remember a fantasy film from the 1990s in which Sinbad played a genie? You guys remember that? I told my wife, I said, you guys remember that? Guess what? It never existed. That movie never existed. Thousands of people General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church, Treasurer, say otherwise. Thousands all over the world say that they saw a movie when they were a child called Shazam, starring Sinbad the Genie, and it absolutely never existed. Explain this to me. In reality, this is all part of the concept known as the Mandela Effect where it's the collective misremembering of things and events. Now this is a form of collective mismembering of, that it first emerged back in 2010 when countless people, thousands upon thousands of people all over the world falsely remembered that Nelson Mandela was dead. Now wait, it was widely believed that he had died in prison during the 1980s. But in reality, Mandela was freed in 1990. Of course, he was the president of South Africa, and he passed away in 2013. Despite some people's claims, they remember clips of his funeral on television. So a lot of people have a hard time, and there are people all over the world, they say, I have these memories. I, I remember seeing Shazam, I remember. And there's countless other examples. Now, some people will say, well, that's a part of the multiverse and that there's parallel universes. There's no multiverse, there's no parallel universes, I promise you that. So we're good, I promise. Now psychologists explain that the Mandela effect as memory and social effects, it's particularly all of what it is, is it's a false memory. So it, this involves mistakenly recalling events or experiences that have not occurred. It's, it's an extortion, it's, a, it's a, an extortion or a, what am I trying to, distortion of different memories. For instance, me growing up, I have this extreme fond memory of going to this donut shop with my mom. I remember we would go there on Fridays. I was probably three, I was two, three, four, five. We'd go there on Friday mornings and it was like an underground donut shop. It's weird. You would go downstairs and there's like this weird little tunnel and we'd have donuts and chocolate milk and I would talk about that from time to time and my mom said that never happened. <laughs> my father said that never happened. But I, somehow I have, I have this, this, this memory, this distorted memory of somehow where I took a bunch of other memories from the past and I put it all together and there's complete distortion. But somehow it was some type of a reality. It's wild how the mind works. But just as our memories can get distortional, so can our present day thoughts. Now one of the best tools we have for living a healthy life is our ability to think. Well, at least most, most of us. 
Amen. Our world is composed of many events that happen constantly. Our moods or feelings are created by the thoughts we have and, and not by actual events themselves. Most of us have distorted thoughts to some degree. We all have unique lives with different experiences, different parents, different friends, different problems to work through. But sadly, we are often our own worst enemy when we take into our beings the very ideas and beliefs that hurt us far more than help us. So when we are stressed, depressed, angry, anxious, or even feeling guilty, we become more prone to misinterpreting events and thinking in a distorted pattern. One distorted thought tends to lead to another, and before long, we are trapped down this wayward spiral, and we begin voicing negative statements continually like, nothing ever goes right for me. I just can't do anything right or everything I touch fails. And so the enemy of our soul seeks to carry our plans to strategically build and enforce these thought patterns, motives, attitudes, belief systems, expectations, and behaviors that are contrary to the truth of the Word of God. Now, our enemy knows he cannot destroy God's purposes. However, he can keep us from knowing by distorting his truth. Now, distortion of truth has been Satan's tactic since the very beginning of time. In our text this morning, in Genesis 3, we find the origin of Satan's plan to blanket the earth with a darkened and distorted reality. We see the serpent distorting the word of God and, and the will of God, and, and, and we, just, we see how he does this in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it all starts there. It starts in the Garden of Eden when the serpent tempted Eve and Adam, and of course, they yielded. And of course, we blame them, and we say, how dare thee? But to be honest, we would have done the same. Now, before that, unfortunately, why we're so angry? Because perfection was indeed everywhere. The ground was easy to till. No one hated anyone. There were no murders, no power struggles, no jealousy, no envy. Financial resources were plentiful. And humanity had the ability to communicate each day with God himself in a powerful, physical way. But that world didn't stay perfect, did it? It started to get crazy when Eve succumbed to the serpent's insinuation that God had not been fully good to her. The Bible says that the serpent was crafty. He was sly. He was shrewd and conniving. He was not. Now, of course, Eve was naive, trusting, unaware, and susceptible for what was going on. Essentially, what ended up happening, she was guilty of being gullible. Now, there they were, Eve and the, the serpent sitting and talking and eating when the serpent exploited the situation. Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of the garden? Did he? Did he say that? Now, Eve didn't want to appear ignorant, certainly not. She knew things, and we see that in Scripture. She was smart and capable. She even corrected him. But the serpent always first brings doubt in one's mind, and the doubt, if listened to enough, will change to a lie. And once one starts to believe the lie, this will become, and it goes on and on, and we act on it, and we get caught. So this certain then, serpent then, I assume, whispers again, did, he, did, did God really, did God say to not eat from the fruit of the tree. 
And then that was the doubt. Surely you're not going to die. Tiny, you know, just tiny little, tiny little things being thrown Eve's away. Surely. And of course, that point launched Adam and Eve into a distorted reality that, of course, all of us fight daily today. From the time the serpent introduced distorting God's truth to mankind, it had become a common practice in mankind, plaguing generations that followed this critical moment. And that distortion that entered the garden filled it, it populated all of mankind to where we are today, constantly fighting the distortion. Is God real? Is God faithful? Are we really living in truth? Does this lifestyle really protect me from other things? Now, psychological and psychiatric literature sometimes calls distortional thinking psychological reversal. So this is where individuals possess a self-defeating nature. Things get so distorted, they get blanketed with constant negativity. And oftentimes what these individuals will do is they resist treatment in a variety of ways. They grow up with a disease or they have experienced the illness for such a long period of time that they form their personal identity around it. Their point of uniqueness is the disease or ailment that they have. So essentially what ends up happening is they become their disease. Eve believed something that was so evil, that was so stupid, she went against the word of God and boom, it became her and the consequence was that. To where she was labeled a sinner, where we all are labeled a sinner. Now this person will adopt this ailment or disease as their identity, they become inseparable from it. They often will say, for example, my arthritis, my chronic pain, my multiple sclerosis, my bipolar disorder, almost wearing it like a badge, like it is who they are. I can only go so far because of this. I can only go so high because of this. And so they allow it to hold them back because it's their badge of honor. Now, this self-defeating nature exists even louder in the spiritual realm. Now, God gives us a spoken word that we cannot grasp if we are living in a distorted reality. 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Yeah, but I'm a sinner and it's just way too hard to live that life for Christ. Philippians 4.9, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I'm, I'm still struggling financially. I'm pretty poor right now and I'm pretty miserable. Okay, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct. Yeah, but my life crashed and I'm divorced. Okay, uh, Philippians uh, 3, 13 and 14, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I'm, I'm addicted to some pretty heavy stuff. And a lot of this stuff is easy to hide. It's 
Psalm 107.20. He, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Yeah, but my best friend died, and they're no longer here today, and my home is feeling empty, and my family is feeling empty. You see, so we adopt the ailment, and it becomes our identity, and our experiences constantly counter the promises and the incredible word of God. I am a sinner. I'm divorced. I'm poor. I'm a backslider. I'm an adulterer. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm an addict. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I am a backslider. And that's our badge that we hold on to. We allow it to define us. So when pastor gets up here and preaches a word that is from the throne of God and you feel the spirit tugging on you, that serpent, well, is he really talking to you? He's probably talking to someone else. You should probably quit what you're doing before you come to that altar. They don't know what you're doing at home, but God does. Pastor's not talking to you. And that serpent whispers. And then those days turn to months, and months turn to years. And a couple Sundays, I'm going to get right with God. And before long, decades go by without getting the closure. And that was a big problem for me as a teenager, even into my young adulthood. I, I was known as a backslider. I've heard, you know, even my, my youth pastor and different people in the church, they, they would say, there's our backslider. And I know some of them meant well, but they'd be like, hey, the backslider's home. I'd be like, yeah. Back then I was like, yeah. I was like, that wasn't very smart, but. And that's why, so I knew I was a backslider. So there was these constant self-fulfilling prophecies. Every single youth convention I go to, God would fill me with the Holy Ghost. It would be so powerful. And then I hear that voice, you're not really changed. And I've shared the testimony to this church countless times, but I, so what would happen? I'd go back home, I'd fall into drugs, I'd fall into alcohol, and there was this vicious cycle because I never thought I could do it. And it even went right into my time at Gateway College in Urshan. I'm a backslider. Every single chapel services or the, the remarkable, back in the day they called it the spiritual emphasis weeks, that would change my life. But I'd hear that serpent in my mind, in my ear. You're not really going to change. But I've been clean. I've been good. Yeah, but Christmas break coming around the corner. Oh, no, I'm going to be okay. Summertime, you're going back home. Days turn to months and months turn to years. And I thought to myself, for so long, I carried the name, the label, the distorted thought that became my reality. Paul Marion is a backslider. Well, what does a backslider do? One foot in the world, one foot in the church, roller coaster Christian, no consistency. That was my label. That's who I was. That's what I embraced it. That's what I believed. And for years, I missed out on the call of God and the healing in my life because I listened to that old serpent. But I pray someone would hear me tonight. Don't let the devil distort your reality any further. Psalm 103. Here, here's, a, here's a word that you cannot deny. You ready for this? Psalm 103, 2 to 4. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives you of your iniquities? Who heals your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? 
Ladies and gentlemen, you are forgiven, you are healed, you are redeemed, you are delivered. That is the God to which we serve. Tell that old serpent he is a liar. I don't care if you've been in this altar 10 million times. Come one more time and you watch God move in your life. Give him one more chance. Who cares? Who, it doesn't matter who's staring at you. It doesn't matter who's looking at you. Come in this place. It doesn't matter if you're a first-time guest and you don't know anyone in this place. This church loves you. You decide to come up to this altar and pray. We will rejoice with you. We will pray with you. We are on your side. Because my God is triumphant. Because there's no God like our God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm coming to a close if the musicians could come. In August 2004, a man was discovered behind a Burger King in Georgia, unclothed and unconscious behind a dumpster. He was badly beaten and left for dead before employees discovered him, called paramedics, which took him to the hospital in Savannah. He had no ID, and the medical staff recorded him as Burger King Doe. It was not until two weeks later he regained partial consciousness. After waking up, staff asked for his name, and he remembered that it was Benjamin, but could not recall his last name. After being released from the hospital, Benjamin spent several years between the hospital and men's shelters going back and forth. But for years, even amid search, no identity was confirmed. No one came forward. Back in 2008, he was invited to appear on the Dr. Phil show in hopes that someone might recognize him. Everybody used to watch Dr. Phil back in the day. No one did. It was not until late 2015 a genetic detective did some work and discovered his real name, which was not Benjamin, but William Burgess Powell. And he was finally, after over a decade, was reunited with his family that he searched for years and could remember. Too many of us walk around this world, rock around this church like like a Burger King dough. You know, our thoughts and our experiences, they get so distorted that we, we don't even know who we are anymore. And if we aren't careful, we can search our whole life trapped in this distorted reality that this serpent, that this liar invented and made for us that isn't even real, carrying false identities, roaming around confused, lost, looking for hope, looking for something, but never finding it. Because it kept believing the lie that nobody was there. Folks, whoever's listening to me this morning, God does not want you to live this way. And while we are confused about our identity, I promise you this, God is not. 
Some of us are confused about our, our purpose, the direction in our lives, perhaps due to our past or life transitions, certain situations and circumstances that were for or out of our control. But he knows our purpose. He wants us to discover it. He does not hide, he does not want us to hide from it, but he wants us to know it and he wants us to own it. If we can all stand. I'm gonna ask some of my, some of the prayer warriors that I've asked to come to the front with anointing oil. I believe this is the Sunday where God really, really changes someone's life. I'm thankful I go to a church where every Sunday's life-changing. But there's someone here that's been wandering for a very long time. You know, I think what God is asking us today is, where are you? See, we forget when Adam and Eve fell to the serpent's distorted truth, the first thing God asked was, where are you? We too have eaten the fruit. Like Adam and Eve, we are guilty. But like Adam and Eve, God searches for us. Like Adam and Eve, God wants us. Now, are there consequences of our past? Yes, unfortunately so. Are there certain physical ailments that we cannot get out of? Sometimes that is the case. But my God is a healer. And my God believes in resurrection power. My God has given us his spirit called the Holy Ghost, which is so powerful and so amazing that brings healing, that brings deliverance, that brings hope. Hallelujah. It's not because God doesn't know where you are. He knows exactly where you are, and he knows what's going on in your life. Yet he still wants you. Yet he still looks for you. You want to know why? Because he wants us to recognize who we are. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I made mistakes. But yes, I have hope. So whatever label, whatever distorted thought that has been in your mind and whispering in your ear for the last couple weeks, couple months, couple years, couple de decades, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind it. I rebuke it. I cast out every lie in the name of Jesus. And as these singers and musicians begin to take us further into worship, I want to open up these altars. If you need healing in your mind, if you need healing in your body, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in new tongues, well, what does that mean? That's when God fills you with his spirit and you speak in an unknown language. I want you to come to the front. There are individuals right here that will anoint you with oil, that will pray for you. You need healing in your body, God is here. You need healing in your marriage. Maybe a husband needs to bring a wife up. Maybe some families need to come up. This altar's open right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> 